Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. This week's films are Castle Freak and Dagon. That's not Dragon and not Dagon. It's also not Castle Freak. It's Castle Freak. I've been corrected too many times. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MNDriveInPod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to the Midnight Drive-In at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food or drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Drive away your worries and cares at this drive-in theater. That's why, to familiarize you with the movie rating symbols which will be used by this theater, we present the following guide for parents and young people. X, no one under 17 admitted. Although, I would argue one of them pretty thin. Oh, yeah, we're, we're, we're definitely going to get into that. Oh, yeah, I would... Uh... I'm not even a Lovecraft fan. I'm like watching the movie going, hey, there's, there's no way. <laughs> there's, <laughs> I know enough about this guy by reputation that this is not his work. <laughs> well, I mean, it's Charles Band says it is. Yeah. Yeah. God, there's no more reliable source. <laughs> none. None in the world more reliable than Charles Band. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, I guess let's just get into it. This will be just a quick jumping right into the episode. Um, we don't want to so, have 45 minutes of political discussion like last week. No, no. Okay. All right. Not at all. It's, it just keeps getting worse every day. We just, we've come to accept it and just move on. I'm okay with it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we decided we want to do a uh, Lovecraft episode. And turns out uh, I had seen half of one of the movies when I was younger and had never seen the other one. So I was excited to get into this episode. Um, so we decided first up was the Charles Band produced Castle Freak. And the other was the uh, sort of could have fit in with, a little bit with our Fishman episode, um, Dagon. Both directed by Stuart Gordon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm a Stuart, Stuart Gordon, Gordon fan, so I was, yeah. I was excited to just do some Stuart Gordon movies. Um, I don't know. Does anybody want to tackle Castle Freak? I mean, <laughs> you do want a plot description? Yeah. <laughs> All right. There's a there's a castle and it has a freak in it. See, it's that simple. That's, that's, uh, that's how Charlie. Kind of <laughs> it really is. I mean, slightly Bain more in depth. Um, a guy, yeah, a guy inherits a castle, um, moves there. Things start to seem off a little bit, and as an audience, we know it's because there's the previous owner had a, I guess, son. It's not really uh, necessarily stated. I don't think who what the relationship was, but that was abused and kept locked up in the basement, and that. Person has gotten out and sure is was. It, it, 
it was the guy who inherited it's half brother. Right. Yeah. Spoiler alert. We don't know that. <laughs> the beginning of the movie. Uh, yeah, don't worry about spoiling this movie. It's, yeah, it's it's irrelevant. <laughs> you, will, you you will be nothing if not intrigued by the plotline of this film as you watch it. So yeah, yeah. The aforementioned guy, of course, is played by Jeffrey Combs, which I was happy to see. Yeah, well, it's a Stuart okay. Gordon movie, so I'll, I'll tell you what the uh, the subplot about his son dying and his alcoholism and all that kind of stuff is actually pretty enjoyable. I think it's actually, it adds just enough drama to the movie that you're like, okay, these are real human beings and real characters without yeah, exactly. being overwhelming. It's it's like slasher level backstory and it's fine. I'm fine with it. I was going to say, saying that his kid dying is enjoyable is a little weird to say, but um, yeah. I mean, otherwise, why do people watch sad movies? If, if you get zero enjoyment out of it, then... Oh, I know. Like, I was just coming downstairs, and Amanda doesn't watch it, but the, uh, that show This Is Us was on the TV. It was just, we were watching something on DVR, shut it off, and it happened to be on. And both of us were like, oh, look, it's that show that they purposely made to make people cry every week. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. Jeffrey Combs inherits a castle. Some weird dude living in it. Shit happens. Yeah. And it's the shit happens part that's really fun to watch. <laughs> it's this like disturbing, mangled freak of a human being who like partakes in cannibalism because he thinks that's what sex is and has no penis and cuts off his own thumb in order to escape the shackles. That's all the fun <laughs> stuff to watch. And it's done really, really well. Uh, you know, kudos to Stuart Gordon for pulling this off on Charles Band budget because yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, I mean the 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 freak just looks fantastic, and all the gore is great and so much fun to watch. And it's that kind of like dark gore that's like you know it's disgusting, but because it's a movie, you're allowed to just have fun watching it. Yeah, and then you've got uh, Jeffrey Combs doing his uh, Shakespearean. Uh, slight overacting thing that he does that's really enjoyable. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty awesome. Yeah, it turns out that they actually saved a ton of money because they didn't have to pay any location fees because Charlie Band just bought this random rundown mansion in Italy. And so they <laughs> found it there. I'd be curious. I'm surprised they don't just have a ton of movies filmed. That's what I'm saying. I'm, I'm curious to go through a bunch of his filmography and just see how much, how much, uh, how many movies they shot there. While I don't even know, he may still own it. I don't know, but while while he had possession of it, it's just like we need to come up with movies to take place in mansions. We got a mansion. <laughs> yeah, some of the trivia I was reading. Apparently, they had to. They had to clean it up as soon as the shoot was over because there was a, a band family reunion they were going to have there. So there was just like <laughs> guts like all over the floor that they had to like mop up and stuff. That was up before or after the reunion. <laughs> well, you know. That's my clever joke. <laughs> uh, are you guys at all familiar with The Outsider? I am. That's what I was going to bring up. This is, this is the, the very loose 
thing they try to tie into Lovecraft. I mean, loose is <laughs> being kind. Just, just ridiculous. There's castles in them. I've been led to believe <laughs> there is a castle, and there is a weird mutant guy. And end of similarity, like which which means like if you were to tell me that the movie the uh, oh what's what's the the one with the horrible puppet cat in it uh, the uninvited is that what it's called? Sure. Yeah, yeah. The uninvited is based off Garfield. <laughs> that is an equal thing to, to claim that this is based off of that story. But. They have cats that hate Mondays and love lasagna. <laughs> See, I, when I read up on the story, I actually am like, I wish they would make a movie out of that. Because apparently it's told like entirely from the perspective of the mutant freak guy. Yeah. Which seems like he could be very interesting. This movie <laughs> is not interesting. It's just a gorefest, which it's great. Like I love it for what it is, but it's not trying to be any kind of like there's no intrigue to this movie there's no like sympathy created for this it's not like that it's not what it's about at all no the movie literally opens with this woman cutting off a piece of old bread walking down to the basement and then beating the shit out of him with a whip (laughs) coming upstairs and having a heart attack and then like when he finally gets free which he does by biting one of his thumbs off. Gross. Um, he literally just goes around just like eating people. Yeah. Which is what you would do, I think, under the circumstances. <laughs> exactly. None of us have ever been in this circumstance. We don't know. Just saying. I lose my penis and I lose my tongue. I'm going to kill some people. Yeah. <laughs> Don't judge a castle freak until you've walked a mile in his shoes. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> or, or, or shambled nakedly with a blanket over your head like some kind of weird nudist sorrow. <laughs> I was going to say, maybe he saw a blank man and just wanted to try to recreate his outfit. <laughs> maybe. Blank man. I was trying to figure out like why he put the sheet over his head. The only thing I can keep, I can come up with is that they just didn't want to put that makeup on the guy every day. So they just <laughs> ah, put a sheet over him for a while. Yeah, we're going to do reshoots, so we don't want to do all that. So just, yeah, throw a blanket on him. <laughs> the funny thing is, he gets the idea of eating people from watching yep. Jeffrey Combs have sex with a prostitute in the basement. So there's yep. a pretty graphic like sex scene of him like having her up against the wall and I don't know if everybody knows what I mean and yeah. uh, and the castle freaks just sort of watching him and then when you know she, she tries to leave he kidnaps the prostitute and then does that shit for real which is fucked up um, the funny part is since I didn't have a whole lot of time this week I was watching this movie at work <laughs> on my on my phone and had nobody bothering me all day, which was great. And then I the, know when someone walked in. <laughs> the very moment that, like, you know, all this graphic sex is going on between Jeffrey Combs and the prostitute. Um, of course, when my coworker like gets up and goes out of the room, and then when he comes back in the room, like he has to pass by my desk, and you know, <laughs> can very easily see my phone at that point. 
didn't say anything, which I'm surprised he's probably not like, I don't want to talk to that guy, which would be great because I don't want, I want less people to talk to me at work. But it was just a weird, like, oh, shit. Like, he, he walked by during that scene, of course. <laughs> and, and now it's been too long because I've thought about it. So I can't be like, hey, hey, it's not porn, I swear. Because then he'll be like, oh, it was really porn. <laughs> I just had to just let it ride. That's fine. And then, of course, somebody else walked in. But I had already, like, moved my phone into a way that, like, people couldn't just randomly look at it. But somebody else, of course, then walked in during the scene where the, the castle freak himself was trying to eat that lady. So... It was just all around weirdness during that, that whole section. I like how you needed stuff to happen in the real world to make that weird. It's like it wasn't weird enough as it started out. Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah. So I'm I think the, this movie, though, like in back to the movie and not your real life experiences. <laughs> I think the movie deserves a lot of credit. This is like a direct-to-video movie from the mid-90s. And if you remember what else was coming out direct-to-video back then, they were not pushing boundaries the way this film chooses to. <laughs> no. It was like, it was a lot of very tame stuff designed to appeal to the widest audience ever. And this is just like, nope. It's called Castle Freak, and the kind of people who are going to rent a movie called that are going to want to see this. <laughs> so they do not hold back. <laughs> I just, I just want to know who was in the meeting discussing, and they were like, "Okay, so have you guys read the short story, The Outsider? <laughs> like, it's this great cerebral thing about a monster that doesn't know it's a monster, and and <laughs> instead we're going to have a penisless crazy guy in a castle killing people." <laughs> yeah, but other than that, exactly the same. <laughs> it's the exact same. <laughs> so it'll still be somewhat cerebral. No. No, not no, at all. Not at all. Uh, you know all the alcoholism stuff that they kind of took out of The Shining? We're going to lay that in real thick in this one. Yeah. How about that? That's a speaking of, speaking of people who don't know their monsters, how great is it that like Jeffrey Combs is like, what do you, how long are you going to keep holding the death of our son over my head? And it's like, well, you were drunk driving and killed your kid. <laughs> and blinded That's, your daughter. And blinded the, yeah, and, oh, yeah. And by the way, blinded the other kid who's now just walking around this castle not understanding what's going on it's like yeah that's that's gonna stick with you for life buddy that's not one of those like you can't bring home flowers and that one's done jesus yeah that's jesus christ yeah it's it's there's all kinds of stuff going on in this movie and it all doesn't really like i think gel very well but whatever I don't know. I don't. I don't have a single complaint about it. I would say, as as far as full moon movies go, this is top ten, pretty easy. Well, I'm not denying that. I just feel like they try to cram so much into it. It's like, okay, so you inherit a castle. So how about you take your wife that you're having problems with because you drank too much and killed your son and blinded your daughter. And you're going to take them to Italy with you, hoping to fix all that. And then you're going to ruin that by drinking again and then having sex with a prostitute who then gets cannibalized by some weird freak living in the basement. And then yeah, I don't think the freak part was in his plan. Yeah, <laughs> it's not like in the margins of his notebook, eaten by freak. Just... And then, uh, you know... Uh, all this shit comes out where it turns out his dad is actually like that's how he got the castle is his dad was 
married to this lady and took off and that's why this duchess was super pissed and kept the weird son chained up in the basement to like beat the shit out of him because she was mad at his dad so it's technically his dad's fault and it's just like holy shit like everything's so complicated yeah you're you're overthinking it though you're only supposed to think about the scene that's happening at the moment when it's happening (laughs) (laughs) film is just it's throwing this stuff at you most of it is just filler and they're just like we're going to get to a part where the castle freak eats somebody soon. Just stick with us. We have to have a little bit of like Italian police procedural mixed into the middle for some reason. It's fine. I just have one question. When Jeffrey Crohn's is breaking into the tomb, right, to prove that the body's not there, yeah, he's laboring really hard to drag that casket out and onto the floor. Then he smashes the lid. It's empty. And then he's like picking it up with one hand and shaking it. <laughs> the lid so, was the heavy part. What's your problem? Yeah, so, so did Jeffrey Combs get Hulk strong, <laughs> or or what was going on in that scene? He had the uh, he had adrenaline. You know, that worked. Yeah, he found, out, found out he was finally right about something and got excited. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, I did find it interesting since the daughter's blind. They had a lot of her sort of almost interacting with the castle freak, but not realizing it. A lot, yeah, of, I, a lot of really gross leering. Too yeah. much leering. Yeah. Leering makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> that, it, this reminded me of like a pornographic version of all the scenes from Frankenstein where the old man is like teaching the monster to talk in that. But the monster's in this case is just like leering at this like teenage girl who spends a lot of the movie wearing no shirt and it's just like uh, it's, it's I mean <laughs> the monster doesn't know any better he doesn't know how to check ID I guess but he's just like following around and staring at her and he like I mean that's how he gets his bed sheet that he makes his costume out of is by stealing it right off of her <laughs> it's so weird gross yeah, I don't know. Does anybody else care anything about this movie? No, I think that's the, the gore is like decent, like but like we said, the story is like all over the place and weird. And yeah, but I think if you approach important. this, if you, if you approach this movie the way you would approach a slasher, it's like they're mm. giving you the backstory in order for us to like accept that these are human beings. They're not doing it because they want to like build sympathy and they want to, you know, they're not they're not trying to make a story out of this. They're just trying to get us to the next kill kind of thing. And I think they do a, a pretty good job with that. I think everybody in it is interesting enough that, yeah, I'm, I'm fine with it all. And, and I think the atmosphere is definitely one that is, they're trying to create that like anticipation for what's going to come next. And they do a good job of that. We're always kind of waiting to see where the castle freak is going to pop out of. Yeah. I mean, good, good blood, good monster, little bit of boobs and Jeffrey Combs. Right. Yeah. That's, that's a that's, good that's a good stew. That's that's the elevator pitch right there. <laughs> Charles Ben heard you say that and he yelled I'm in. Somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's he's sitting in his office somewhere going, This motherfucker has figured out my formula. <laughs> just, that's the that's the plot outline for every movie that new that uh, Full Moon has ever made. It just keeps just keeps recycling it, just rotated in. 
He just the problem is he just can't get Jeffrey Combs to come back, so he keeps having to plug in other random actors. <laughs> why they're not as successful. Yeah, plus you don't get the, the quality of Stuart Gordon on, in every movie either. It's a problem. That's also true. That's and I think that's who deserves the credit for this movie being awesome is Stuart Gordon. It's the difference between this and just some other random pick it off the shelf movie from nineteen ninety five is how well it's made. And yeah. there's no there's no budget causing that to happen. There's no great script causing that to happen. It's the director who deserves the credit. And sure. apparently Lovecraft for some reason. <laughs> Although you have to give Charles Band credit for being the type of guy who Stuart Gordon showed him this script and then he goes, all right, fuck it. I got a little bit of money. <laughs> yeah. uh, and I got a mansion you can use. Yeah. You can use my house in Italy. I do. I do wonder how those conversations go. Cause does it start with, we got to film something here or does it start with, I have this script. Can you move it to Italy? Cause there's already a spot there. <laughs> We have to actually have it set in Italy because we're not flying actors over. You can have one. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Yeah, I'd say I recommend. Like, I still enjoyed it. For as much as I'm just like, it's kind of thin, it's still an enjoyable movie. Like, just like you said, just sort of going with the slasher vibe of just waiting for this castle freak to go around and kill his next victim is definitely what it's worth watching for. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those, uh, I, I think it's an introductory drug to getting into full moon movies. <laughs> like, like you show somebody this, Puppet Master, and uh, Subspecies 2. <laughs> and they're like, oh man, full moon's so great. And then they watch the rest of them, and they're like, what the fuck? Yeah, next thing you know, it's four o'clock in the morning, and they're watching Blood Dolls, and they don't know why. <laughs> like I know it seems everybody's going to be as addicted as he is <laughs> I was full on with the uh, Puppet Master series until part 6 and then I just got angry and then stopped watching him yeah they they got weird I'm probably around the same I don't even remember what number I tapped out at but the, I remember the first one I saw like a lot back in the day it's one of those ones I had a VHS copy of that just got worn right out. The first, the first three are awesome. Yeah, and then like the next few are okay, and then everything after that's like shit. Yeah. See, the bad thing is I'm a big continuity snob. Like I like my franchises have continuity between the movies, which I know Full Moon is not a good, not a good it's company not a good to have that with. Spot start. No. <laughs> But like the first five puppet masters, you can kind of go, okay, like I can I can follow this through line. There's some stuff that doesn't make sense, but I can at least track from one movie to the next, like how we got to this point. And then after after part five, it just completely falls apart, and then you know you just start getting angrier and angrier. And I'm like, this is fucking bullshit. Now they're even back in like World War Two times, and I'm like, but that doesn't make any sense because the case was in the oh fuck this movie. And then yeah. I stopped watching it. Decapitron hadn't even been made yet. <laughs> yeah. I feel like at that point in the series you weren't supposed to be asking those questions. No. But I mean I, I'm with but you I, I stopped watching them too. Yeah. yeah. I'm gonna have to rewatch those those uh, first three though, maybe. I think I've got like a disc with the first three on them. 
And just to spice that stew, got to get a little bit of blood dolls in there. <laughs> Mix those blood dolls in. I said that, thick. That was obsessed with blood dolls, apparently. Oh, I fucking love blood dolls. That movie's batshit crazy. It's amazing. <laughs> I'm reasonably confident, given your excitement, that I'm not going to like it. So. Not even a little. <laughs> uh, at least we've all figured out our dynamics. On this show. <laughs> it's all coming together. <laughs> like, well, Noah's super excited about that, so that means I will never watch it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I can get down with some full moon every once in a while, but I got to be in the right mood for it. Yeah, it's and I Otherwise, think it's definitely uh, back in the day. It was something that when you'd go to the video store and there'd be a new full moon, I mean, you, you weren't expecting yeah. it because you didn't have the internet to know when things were coming, and you'd get excited and rent it. And it was even when it wasn't good, you'd still go back the next week and rent whatever the next new one was because <laughs> they were popping them out just constantly back then. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Like during my uh, little vacation trip, we watched Sideshow, which was a full moon movie. And, oh my god, I was like, "Holy shit!" Like, how how is this fucking movie made? Like, literally, Charles Band is, "Hey, I found a hundred dollars in my couch. Let's make a movie." Type of situation, and it was fucking horrible. <sighs> and the one that always confuses me is Killjoy. I don't like. It's so popular. People really, really like those Killjoy movies, and they're so bad. I mean, I like them because they're bad, but why do all these other people like them? Has anybody heard if he's making a new one since, you know, it's like the most highest-grossing horror movie? Well, they quote, unquote, just, ever? If I understand it, they just made three, like, two years ago, so... Wow. It's still, that'd be it's still active. On. All right, well, let's jump outside of Full Moon. And now we'll head over to another Lovecraft property. This one a little bit more proper, although the, ti- <laughs> really. the title is deceiving. So, um, hey, so Noah, why don't you tell us what Dagon's all about? Uh, Dagon is a gentleman and a few of his friends are on a boat. The boat wrecks. They land in a small town. The small town is inhabited by horrible mutant people. Uh, things happen. People die. And more mutants show up. And then a guy joins the mutant people. Sure. Sounds about right. End of story. Basically, this, this movie is named after a short story by Lovecraft. But based on a completely different short story <laughs> by Lovecraft. Uh, although, in that short story, there is a cult named... Uh, the, oh, man. The something of Dagon. I can't remember. But but basically, it's, it, that, the movie is actually based off of the shadows uh, over Isma. Mm-hmm. And but... the short story takes place in Massachusetts instead of whatever nondescript greasy in place they're in. Uh, I think it's supposed to be Spain. Yeah, but... yeah Spain uh, is, what I, is what I heard. And I, maybe I read it beforehand so I didn't question it during the movie. But yeah. Um, so yeah, so this is the first time watched for me. Um, I actually ended up really enjoying it. Uh, which was weird because it's another one I had to watch at work. 
and I made I made sure. <laughs> I hope your boss doesn't listen. No, no, uh, and plus nobody really cares. I can just do whatever I want at that place. But um, I I turned my phone a little bit more in the direction where people are going to see because the very first opening shot is of some dude having a night nightmare where he's underwater and runs into a topless mermaid. And so I was like, oh, okay, well, here we go. Already started. So I might as well just position this phone right over here. So, you know, Human Resources doesn't ask me to come down and have a chat for a second. So, yeah. Um, Yeah, I'd never seen it before. I ended up really enjoying it. Um, I thought some of the creature effects were really good. Unfortunately, it does have... When was this made? It has like late '90s, early 2000s CGI, which is unfortunate. But yeah, um, say it's '97. I could be wrong. It's 2001. Oh, is that right? Yeah, IMDb says it is. Yeah. Or I watched the wrong movie, but it sounds like the same. Thing. <laughs> Was it very soap opera-y with a lot of CG? Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Then it was the right one. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Doug, what did you think of this movie? Um, soap opera with a lot of CG is a fair description, actually. Um, yeah, I, I, I didn't hate the movie or anything, but I definitely found that it was one where it's they were trying to do more visually than they were capable of doing. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what was driving the movie, right? It wasn't really plot-driven, I mean plot can be summarized in two sentences guy goes to island island is fucked up um so you're just kind of like you're just there to see all the weird shit happen and i felt like maybe they were getting ahead of themselves with what they thought they could pull off as far as the weird shit goes some of it was really cool there's like scenes of like skinned bodies that are like hanging there and and they're just like it's just the skin being like tanned out like the way somebody would turn like hang a cowhide to make a leather jacket out of it and i'm like that that looked really good, but then some of the other stuff was not so much, and I found it... When I wasn't blown away by the visuals, I found it kind of hard to hold my attention. Gotcha. I didn't... One of the things that kind of lost me is all the the practical creature effects and all of the minor CG things aren't bad. It's just the big, like, CGI tentacles and stuff they tried to throw in every once in a while. Yeah. And the movie was perfectly effective without them. So I don't understand why you would go through the effort to cram something in that's going to be of lower quality. Well, because in 2001, they didn't understand that those were lower quality. And that's, I mean, CGI from that era, people thought it looked great at the time. Uh, But even the really big budget stuff doesn't really hold up. Like even watching something, you know, the Lord of the Rings movies or something from back then, they don't hold up that well, the CGI aspects. And it's they were doing the best they could. They just didn't know that we were all gonna be looking at this critically fifteen years later. Sure. Yeah, I don't know, maybe uh the fact that I was working helped with this. So I was kind of visually focused on something else some of the time. I can see that. So maybe that didn't um, that didn't bother me. And then I just like sort of the aspect of being in this 
really weird, fucked up town. Because at first, I didn't really like the main character all that much. Like, when we first get introduced to him, he's on the boat, and he's just trying to do a bunch of shit. And the whole time, he's just like, oh, like, this is terrible. Like, why is this happening? Oh, I'm so angry. I have a beautiful woman trying to touch my wiener, and I have tons of money. Yeah. It's hard hard to feel sympathetic for him there at the beginning. You're like, I'm sorry things aren't going so well for you on your boat. (laughs) That's rough. So I got kind of annoyed, but then, like, I liked the idea of him being sort of um, thrust into this situation where he he has to stay in this. It's almost like a little fishing village, like, off the coast of Spain. So he sort of has to hang out, or he's going to go back to the boat. Anyway... I'm getting like confused myself, but so the thing with the boat happens, they go to the land, they find somebody who said they'll go back and help their friends. She stays on the island because that's a smart choice. And he goes with the guy, and of course when they get back he can't he can't find her. So I really like the idea of him sort of being around this little weird town and his girlfriends disappeared. And, of course, he doesn't speak the language, so it's all kind of weird to him anyway, trying to communicate with these people. They're all acting strange. And then, like, suddenly he sees this weird, like, cult seance thing outside of his window. And that's when shit, like, goes fucking nuts. And so it's just him, like, running around this town trying to avoid these people. And then gets help from a hobo who sort of is the... He's what I like to call the exposition hobo, where he just tells us everything, what's really going on in the town. And uh, so him and the hobo team up for a little while. And I don't know. I just really like that aspect of just running around this town where you don't really know what's going on. And he doesn't speak the language, so he really feels like out of place, like he can't communicate. People are after him and all that stuff. Uh, unlike Castle Freak, fairly good interpretation of the short story. It's it's not exact, but it's actually a lot closer than you'd think it was. Yeah. I personally like the ending of the short story a little bit better than the ending of the movie. But I was going to say, I, well, I'm not a huge fan of the very, very end. Um, I don't know. There's some stuff that I have to question if it's literal or not. Um, I don't know. Is that too spoilery? Do we need to throw a spoiler warning up? I think it's fine. I mean, we we can say yes. There's a spoiler warning up. Yeah, go ahead, discuss it. Um. So he runs into the the mermaid that he keeps having this dream about, and then I don't know. She is like trying to get him to stay. Like they're making out or whatever sort of doing the siren thing where she's calling to him and he's, you know, can't resist and all this stuff. Um, and then, like, later on, she calls him her brother or something. So I guess that's the kind of stuff where I get confused. I don't know if that's supposed to be, like, a literal thing or if she's just essentially, like, telling him, like, oh, no, you're, like, one of us now. No, no li- literal. Half, half, half brother. Okay, see, that... I thought I was not a big fan of, but I don't know. Maybe yeah. for me, it's almost like like the half 
the half brother thing, which is the other theme from uh, from Castle Freak, which I also was not a fan of. Just these people who seem to have average lives that are suddenly find out they're related to hideous monsters. Yeah. Well, in which that's once again the short story in that case. That's accurate. That's what happens. Yeah. Although I don't recall there being the siren girl character. He just finds out that he is a descendant of basically the uh, evil priest guy from the flashback. Mm-hmm. Yeah. See, you're, you thought about this way harder than I did. By this point, I was just watching the pretty pictures. And not really. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, yeah, I recognize that there are this that there's they're calling each other brother and all this, and I'm like, okay, sure. I'm fine with that, you know. I wasn't really looking at this, trying to analyze the themes or anything. So, yeah, yeah, no, that part just bugged me. And then uh, I feel like it's it's got a pretty uh, ballsy ending where it's just like, yeah, we're just gonna fucking fuck up everything, which I was kind of excited by. Yeah, I still like, like I said, I like the short stories ending a lot better. Doug, um, are you familiar with the short story at all? Did you ever read it? No, I've never read any Lovecraft at all. So. I would say I've read it, but it's been like forever, so I don't even remember how the original story ends. It, the The short story ends with he, he actually escapes and then discovers that he's the descendant of that guy and figures out that he's slowly mutating into one of the horrible fish monster people. Mm. And he looks up... Uh, current living relatives and he finds out that he has a cousin that's in like a uh, asylum or something and the, the cousin's mutating too so he breaks the cousin out and takes him back to the town to join the fish people <laughs> so it's even it's like an even more fuck it we're fish people ending <laughs> nice. I, like it. I like how there's degrees of fuck it we're fish people but uh, it <laughs> <laughs> well, as opposed to, no, I'm going to commit suicide. Oh, this hurts. Ah, fuck it, we're fish people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I did I did find it kind of interesting. They, uh, so they, they sort of take his girlfriend, and they're going to give her up as like a human sacrifice to Dagon. And uh, so they got it all chained up and stuff. And it's very much set up like... Okay, well, the shit's going to happen, and then, like, he's going to try to save her, and it's going to seem like he's not going to save her, but then he will save her. But, yeah, they didn't do that shit. They made it seem like he was going to save her, and then it's like, nope. Fucking tentacles come up, grab her, pull her down, pull her arms off, which was awesome. And, uh, yeah, she's fucked. Yeah, that was cool. Fish <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, again, I mean, it, it all it, it all looked cool. Uh, I didn't necessarily. Maybe it's my own problem, my own fault. I just wasn't watching this movie close enough. But none of it was really making sense to me as to why things were happening the way they were happening. It's just like, oh, they're going to sacrifice her now. All right, I like watching people get sacrificed. Let's do it. Yeah, it's the typical Lovecraft thing of it's just a freak accident. Freak accident that he's there, and then 
the fish people come after him. <laughs> end, end of story. Well, but then he turns out to be a fish person. Yeah. That's yeah, see, what I get annoyed with is like the giant coincidences of, you know, accidentally showing up there and then, oh, guess what? He's a fish person. Yeah, see, so comparing this to Castle Freak, like in that case, he inherited that castle because he was related to the Freak. Like that, there's a, a plot narrative that makes sense that he would end up in the same spot as his half brother that he never knew about, as opposed to it just happening coincidentally. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know if, like, again, I guess we're going to rely on Nova here. If in the short story, is there some kind of evil pet cemetery like force that draws him to this island, or is it just a. I don't, I don't think so. I can't remember exactly why he ends up there, but he's like investigating the fact that basically like half the town is missing. And then fish people. <laughs> See, there's, there's a, fish yeah, there, there's there's a little bit more to it because it has to do with the idea of the deep ones and that the town made a deal with the deep ones that the deep ones would like give them gold and the fish, like kind of like it is in this. But the exchange ends up being that they have to have sex with the deep ones, <laughs> producing children who are normal at birth, but as they like hit puberty and then get older, they slowly mutate into deep ones themselves. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I'm kinda I kinda feel like I need to go back and read some more Lovecraft after watching these movies. Ah, so good. The Outsider's a really good story. I recommend that to everybody. Like it's yeah. it's a short read. You can read the whole thing in maybe five minutes. Except that one was very intriguing uh, to me. This one is something where I'm like, I don't know you remove the visuals, I'm not sure how much I'm interested in reading this story. Now again, maybe the writing style is so good that it would make me enjoy it. I don't know that. Yeah. Love Lovecraft is a love it or hate it thing. Like okay. he he has a really bad habit of being a pretentious uh-huh. prick. Being racist? And, well, yeah, and being racist. But I was going to say being a pretentious prick and using uh, intentionally inflated language that isn't no. necessary because he thought it was more literary, basically. That's weird, considering the time he was writing. It wouldn't have been that much of an audience for stuff like that. For his work to have endured, there must be something special about it. Well, he wasn't... Like most of those pulp writers, he wasn't all that big while he was alive. It was after he died that he kind of took off and I mean, same thing with, like, Robert E. Howard and all of them. They all made money, but they weren't rock stars or anything. They weren't Stephen King. Mm. Yeah. Yep. So, I'm going to say recommend for this movie. Like I said, I really enjoyed it. Um, What are you two going to say? It's kind of, it's a hard recommend, because of, of all of the things I really like about this movie, and I would say I like more things about it than I don't like, man, that acting is fucking god-awful through about 90% of it. <laughs> See, that didn't bother me. I don't... I don't know. It's something about the delivery. Like, like I said, it's very soap opera-y. Like, 
that's that's the only way I can think of it. Like nobody's doing things the way a person would actually do them. They're doing it in the exaggerated way a fake person would do it. That is accurate. Um, it's just a question of how much that bugs you, I think. And sometimes you just have to live with stuff like that when you're watching low-budget filmmaking. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I, I like this movie. I just don't know. It, I, I would recommend it to anybody who's a Lovecraft fan because I think that it's uh, a fairly a fairly decent interpretation and with the exception of the boobs and a little bit of the gore, Lovecraft would actually approve of it. You're saying Lovecraft didn't like boobs? Uh, he generally didn't like uh, exploitative stuff. Yeah. So so like uh, grotesque violence and he would he would always like take you up to the point and then not tell you what happened so that you have to imagine all the terrible things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You ever going to read any uh, Lovecraft? Doug? Um, I would like to one day, um, but I've been saying that for a while and I haven't done it yet. So do, do you like <laughs> Edgar Allan Poe? Like, I've read very little Edgar Allan Poe and it has been a while. Um, but yes, is the short answer to that is like, what I've read, I've always enjoyed. Then, then once again, the out the outsider is written much more like a, a Poe knockoff than an actual Lovecraft story. Yeah, that, I think that's going to be my kickoff point. I was very intrigued by that. Um, now, when that kickoff happens, could be years from now. Um, but yeah, I, I I think this this movie in particular, Dagon, did a good job of intriguing me as to, I, I want to know more about Lovecraft, and I almost want them to do more, better Lovecraftian uh, films, so that I can delve into it without having to actually read, because reading's hard work, so. Well, here's here's a good, uh, here's a good compromise here for you, Doug. Um, if you go on to the Amazon, uh, you can get a Lovecraft children's book called Littlest Lovecraft, The Call of Cthulhu. And it's The Call of Cthulhu retold as a children's book. So you can buy this for little Lando and read it to him at night and also learn about Lovecraft. So everybody gets something. That that's actually sounds like a really good idea. <laughs> yeah. I don't recommend starting with Dagon. A lot of people do. And it's a bad idea. <laughs> Because um, nothing happens. It's a big, long yeah. story of nothing happening. Well, the interesting thing is, um, back in the DZ days, Wes actually did a dramatic reading of Dagon that we put up as an episode. So maybe I'll dig through the archives and see if I can put it up. I've listened to that. I actually like it a lot. Special treat as a little special bonus for next week. Yeah. I mean, it's really a bonus for me more than for the actual listeners. But <laughs> yeah, it's Doug's education corner. And again, Dagon the story completely different than Dagon the movie. Yeah, Shadow Shadow over Ismith. That's the if you're wanting the story that represents <laughs> this movie, that's the one you want, not Dagon. So no, that, that's the same short story that they're saying uh, Island of the Fishmen was based on as well, right? Yes. So, when they said that about Island of the Fishmen, that was another one of these, like, 
Charles Band like murder. Well, because it's obviously I, very different. Well, because because of the the themes of like transmutation and all that kind of stuff, I think that that's still a better. Because if you say based off of, generally it means you took the general themes and ideas and then changed everything else. And I would accept that Island of the Fishmen keeps some of those themes and ideas. <laughs> yeah. The Outsider versus Castle Freak, they have nothing to fucking do with each other. Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at Pod, or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to themidnightdrivein at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food and drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Um, Doug, did you watch anything over your holiday weekend? Uh, I did not watch anything that is discussable on this podcast, unfortunately. Mm. I had an eight-year-old staying with me, so everything I watched had to be eight-year-old appropriate. Oh. Hey, only, Some of only... that stuff is awesome. It, she did at one point. She, she's like, we can watch this movie about a surfer girl. And I'm like, fine. She's like, it has a shark attack in it. Like She's like, just humoring me. <laughs> <laughs> so... I would have been like, we're watching the Dark Crystal and the Neverending Story over and over again. Oh, yeah, no. When I was upstairs dealing with other children, she's like, I'm going to watch Polter- Poltergeist downstairs on my own. I'm like, no, no, wait, oh. Damn That's it. The one I want to watch. <laughs> it was probably the remake. No, it's not, because I stepped in and made sure it was the original. bullshit <laughs> <laughs> remake in my house. <laughs> you will not you will not profane the blu-ray player like no no there's no drones going into the other side in this movie yeah. i will drop shit drop kick that shit right out of the house god that remake was terrible i know bummed me out because i'm a big fan of sam rockwell so i was yeah, hoping that was like one of the reasons i watched it i think it's just i remember watching it thinking oh well that didn't upset me too much and then Scott asked me if I'd seen anything on the last orgasm. I went off on a rant and reminded myself how much I hated it. I'm like, oh, because I was angry about that after all. Sam Rockwell yeah. was good. It's just the entire movie around him was bad. Yeah, yeah, I can agree with that. This is never. There's usually never an opportunity where I'm like, well, the movie was good, but that Sam Rockwell, he, he was horrible. <laughs> that doesn't come up much. No. no. Um. Noah, did you watch anything? Uh, I watched a few things. I went and saw uh, Blade Runner 2049. Which is one of my uh, things to talk about, too. I would. You're going to do it in a spoiler free fashion, correct? Spoiler free? Yeah. All right. Uh, I would say not as well crafted as the first movie because I think they give you too much. They like. Kind of just lay stuff out when the first movie is all about paranoia and whether or not things are real. Mm-hmm. Visually, I think it's about as well done as it could have been. Uh, the acting's fine. I think there should have been a little bit more Decker. 
but I'm okay with the decisions they made. All in all, I would say like a B plus, like sequel wise. That's about where I'm at. Um, people, people, even at work, which is these are the people I don't ever want to talk to me again. Um, kept telling me like, oh, I don't know, I think it's right up there with the original one. And I just wanted to be like, let's not, let's not get crazy. Calm down. Just calm down. Um, uh, yeah. I mean, like me and Amanda were talking about, like, yeah, I liked it. It was fine. Um, the story, their aspects. I mean, I was mad at the movie for a good part of it. And then that alleviates itself. But it's just sort of like, all right. I don't like where that's going. But and then... Uh, you know, everything else, again, everything's fine. Like, I enjoyed it. Uh, I will say, visually, it is stunning to look at. And I loved every moment of the visuals on the screen. Um, yeah. the, uh, story, the, think, the sound engineering was pretty spectacular, too. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, just for me, like, bits of the story, I was kind of like, eh, okay, not okay, you know, whatever. Um, if it's something you want to see, you are definitely on the fence about seeing it. I would say definitely go see it. Um, I really wasn't that interested because I'm just like, do we need another Blade Runner? Like the first Blade Runner is pretty fantastic. But um, I kept hearing about how awesome it was. And so I wanted to, uh, to go check it out. I came away probably liking it more than I thought I would, but there is still some some nitpicky stuff that I would have about it. But you know, not the worst thing I've ever seen. So, not even the worst thing I've seen in this episode of this podcast. I did. I will say I liked New Bad Guy a lot. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> so now, just just to let you know where I'm coming from, I'm not that big a fan of the original. I think it what? visually is visually it is fantastic. the The world they create that the story takes place in is fantastic. The story itself, not that good and really not worthy of a film that's as long as it is um, in any of the 43 different cuts that are available. That, that upsets me, Doug. That's, <laughs> that's kind of what we do to each other. It's top, okay. Top, <laughs> top three sci-fi movie. Easy. Yeah, sir. I, I and I, I've I've always felt this way. But I've watched it a bunch of times, trying to convince myself that it's great. And I'm like, nope, looks fantastic. I just can't get into the story that much. I feel like it's way too thin a plot, and that movie is all about trying to create a world for a story to take place in. So I was hoping this one would be a little bit more story driven. Um, is that the case at all? Yeah, I, I would say it is a little more story driven to the detriment of the movie. So you don't think movies should have stories? No, I just Blade Runner. Blade Runner specifically is more about the uh, the themes and about what's going on in the characters' heads, rather than the story itself. Does that make sense? Like the story is a catalyst yeah. to explore what's real and what isn't real. And I think in the sequel they kind of flipped that and the whole idea of what's real and what isn't real is a catalyst to tell a story. So I might prefer that. You probably will. That's good to know. 
now if I ever get a few minutes of free time, I can actually try to watch it. We'll see. <laughs> you only need three hours. Yeah. Um, I would say definitely take advantage of trying to see it in the theater if you can. Uh, I think the okay. sound design is definitely worth it. And seeing the visuals on a big screen are pretty breathtaking. That's good to know. I kind of regretted not seeing it in IMAX. Yeah, I didn't bother. I mean, Movie Pass doesn't cover IMAX. I was perfectly happy with my Movie Pass experience. What else you got? Uh, I watched Basket Case because <laughs> okay. Basket Case is awesome. Yes, it is. <laughs> this is where I will be out of the outlier and say, "Yeah, it's all right." And then what? We won't. We won't talk about Basket Case because we're going to watch it for this show someday. <laughs> And then I watched the two seasons of The Real Rob, which is Rob Schneider's sitcom. Oh, what are you doing? Why? Actually, it's not terrible. Yeah, but he's terrible, so that'd be a good enough reason not to watch it. Yeah, but the entire show revolves around the idea that he's terrible. So it kind of works <laughs> in a weird way. Like, he, he actually plays off the fact that, like, he's kind of a Republican piece of shit. Like... <sighs> But it's it's not bad, especially the end of the second season is really good. But. I don't know, Noah. That's two seasons worth of time you just put into that. I don't have time, man. I'm unemployed. <laughs> I, 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 last, I couldn't sleep last night. I watched the first six episodes of Star Trek Voyager. Do you know, do you know how low of a point that is? <laughs> It's not even the good Star Trek. The funny thing is, I'll actually tell you that I actually enjoy Star Trek Voyager. Um, and it's because, of course, I work at, in, uh, I work at a TV station. And one of my jobs was being a mass control, which means sort of running what goes out over the air. So for like multiple years, I had to watch Star Trek Voyager every night. So I found myself kind of getting into it and enjoying it. So... I'm not saying it's the best Star Trek. It's just the one I had to watch every yeah, night for like two years. It's not bad. It's just not the good one. And I have access to both the good ones. <laughs> like, I could have watched the good ones. And I chose instead. I was like, you know what I've never done? Watched every episode of Voyager back to back. Maybe I should do that. <laughs> yeah, having time in your hands is scary. <laughs> you make rash decisions. I, I know. It's awful. And then, oh man, I watched something else. What else did I watch? Oh, I watched the Toxic Avenger. But I do that all the time. So <laughs> <laughs> it's just constantly running in your house. You just decide I, when you're going to sit down on the couch. I'm just saying, I might, maybe, maybe I will actually start bringing up on the show every time I watch the Toxic Avenger or Classic Newcomb High. It just. <laughs> So and the people at home can play a game and try to tally up how many times in a year I actually do that because it's a lot. <sighs> I'm quitting my job so I can do that. <laughs> there are worse ways to spend your time. Uh, and I think that's everything I watched. All right. Well, the other things I watched is I went and saw Kingsman the Golden Circle, which Doug said you said you watched it last week. Yeah. I uh, really enjoyed it. I think I'm a big fan of now both of the Kingsman movies. Um, I know you were a little disappointed 
by less Channing Tatum and more Elton John. Um, whereas yes, I said, that's my big complaint. <laughs> whereas I said, just enough Elton John could enjoy some more Channing Tatum. Well, we're not happy with that. So, <laughs> with that problem. Like, like, but my, minor spoiler, like, isn't it weird that they advertise Channing Tatum so much and then they get him in there and he's doing a good job being like the kind of douchey American counterpart to these like Kingsmen. And then they just put him in carbonite for a bunch of the movie. It's just like, now oh, you're done. Like, yeah, it was really weird how, how they played it out. It is a little weird. I think it may have been set up for, uh, cause apparently Matthew Vaughn has come out and said he, Definitely has another idea for a third Kingsman movie and also wants to do a Statesman spinoff. Oh, okay. So I'm wondering if that was pre-planning to have Channing Tatum tied into that role so that if they spun it off, they would already have yeah. a big name attached to it. That, that makes a lot of sense because what I was thinking is for the purposes of this movie, you could have really combined his character with the, the whiskey character mm-hmm. and you could have really streamlined the story by just having that be one guy. Yeah, um, but if you're gonna, if, you, if you're thinking of having a spinoff, that wouldn't work. So, yeah. So yeah, I really enjoyed it. Um, was was fine with Elton John. Uh, loved that they actually did work a lot of Elton John music into it. Yeah the the end with Elton John was very fun. Like when he yeah. sort of joins in on the fighting and stuff, and you're like, this is. Real. Ridiculous, but it's fun to watch. You're just like, is that Elton yeah. John fighting a robot dog? I think it is, and I'm, I'm somehow magically okay with that. Through the, and, through the magic of Matthew Vaughn, I, I am enjoying that. And Noah has just hopped off the call because he's going to the theater because he heard Elton John versus a robot dog. Oh, <laughs> make uh, Yeah, me and a man were talking about in the car. I'm like, I just love this series where it's like let's have like the super quick like slick like fighting style like the Bourne movies and all that stuff but then throw in like all the crazy gadgets from like the old Bond movies yeah, and just have them incorporate together and be perfectly fine well it's funny because they've had a few like uh, articles going around the internet like talking about how like Bond is going to have to try to figure out how to keep up with these movies like they can't do their yeah. super serious spy stuff anymore because people want to see this instead well, that's that's because the time for Bond is over, and the time for an end like Flint revival Ooh, there you is go. at hand. <laughs> uh, I had another point to make. I don't remember what it was. I don't know. Oh, I read that uh, maybe because you you had commented that maybe uh, Julian Moore's character is a little too over the top in this movie. Yeah, um, just felt a little forced. Uh, I read that she actually based her performance on Gene Hackman's Lex Luthor from the original Superman movies. Seems fair. <laughs> which, which would you read that? You're just kind of like, yeah. oh yeah, yeah, I totally, I totally see that. Just that to makes cl- perfect sense. Just to clarify my point, it wasn't yeah. the acting that I thought was the problem. I thought it was the character, which is different, right? It's oh, totally, yeah. It's, it's weird for people who haven't seen it, like. I, I really minor spoiler like she lives in her own like little 50 style village because she grew up watching happy days and really liked it so she is like in the middle of the desert in the jungle there's a village with a diner and a movie theater and all designed to look like the 50s and it's 
it's just a bit oh, too much. Like it was just, it was just, you're trying really hard to jam it down my throat that this is a quirky villain. <laughs> yeah, sure. But uh, yeah, yeah, loved it. If you haven't seen Kingsman yet, uh, head out to the theater and uh, check it out. Um, that was my next one I was planning on seeing. Although now the mountain between us is out. And, oh, yeah. and I have a weird problem with I hate, hate, hate survival movies. Like, they're dumb, they're pointless, they fucking, I just don't, like, I don't like it. But it's got fucking Idris Elba in it. Yeah. It's pretty much, it's pretty much hard not to want to see a movie with Idris Elba in it. So, I feel your pain. But I would definitely still go see it at some point. And plus, like you said, you're unemployed, so you got like seven days a week to, to go see the yeah. movies. Don't they, don't they do afternoon shows where you live? You go to one in the morning and one later on in the day. That, my movie pass only gives me one a day. Oh, so yeah, then you have to actually pay for the other movie like a peasant. Yeah, like a, like a, like a filthy mouth breathing <laughs> sewer dweller. Uh. Um, all right, so then the other movie I saw was Amityville: The Awakening, uh, which apparently was yes. Well, you say new, but uh, apparently this movie was filmed in 2012 and has been shelved every time it's it's about ready to have a release since then. Well, that's because it's just so good they can't find a way to market it. Yeah, just how good yeah. it is. That's definitely that's definitely the problem. Um, so, oh my god, where to even begin with this movie? So, someone again moves into the Amityville house, and then of course weird shit starts happening. Um, Jennifer Jason Lee is in this movie, which I was just like, really. Really, Jennifer Jason Lee? They conned you into a beat in an Amityville movie? It's unfortunate for her. Uh, this was before The Hateful Eight, so I mean, I don't know. Maybe she's. Still, how desperate was she? She needed a car or something. Um, so this movie exists in a weird universe, I guess you would call it. Uh, did either one of you see the new uh, The Town of the Dreaded Sundown? Yeah. I actually really liked it. Uh, I thought it was okay until the reveal at the end. Um, yeah, that, that's a problem at the end. Yeah. So take that philosophy and put that into this movie. Where, okay, the Amityville horror is, is a thing that happened, and there has been movies made about that event that exist in this world. So this is more a sequel to the real, quote-unquote, real Amityville Horror event than it is to any of the movies that come before it. So the fraudsters come back to the house to make more money? No. This focuses more on the DeFeo murders than it does the Lutz family. Ah. Um, That there's still something like something in the house that did drive him to kill his family. But then they don't really like talk much about the Lutz family. That sounds like conceptually it's not a bad idea, 
to, yeah. to kind of like do the soft reboot of the series by saying, well, this is a sequel to the real events, not to the movie events. And, yeah. But I just, I don't know. The, the fact that it was made in 2012 is enough for me to just not see it. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. So, like, this new family moves in. Uh, turns out it's like a mom uh, and just and three kids. And two of the kids are sort of like high school teenagers. One of them is in a uh, sort of like in a vegetative state. So he's in like, you know, the, hit the bed with all the machines and shit hooked up to him and stuff. And apparently there was some sort of trauma, which we find out in the movie that happened because of the other twin. And then there's like a young, super young daughter. Um, and of course the girl is like a goth girl now. She's got like the black eyeliner, all the black clothes and whatever. So she goes to school and meets people. And of course they bring up that she's living in the Amityville house. And so they decide to like, Oh, you know what we should do? We should go watch the Amityville movies in the Amityville house. But we have to watch, make sure we're watching them at three fifteen because that's the famous time that, uh, that DeFeo killed his family or whatever. So, I mean, that's that's sort of where we're at. Like, the, the Amityville movies exist in this universe, and this is now sort of like a separate universe from all the Amityville movies that came before it, if that makes any sense whatsoever. Um, so I guess sort of the idea is that whatever evil is in this house is now sort of... Uh, Corrupting this body of the the kid who's in the vegetative state, since there's technically sort of nobody in there because of whatever brain damage he's got, this entity is now sort of taking over this body and causing all sorts of problems. Um, that was a very long-winded way for me to say it's not good. Uh, I spent most of the movie being like, "Okay, this is dumb." There's maybe like one or two scenes that I'm like, oh, that's kind of creepy, but then they completely ruin it by doing something else that's stupid. So, supposed to be coming out in a couple weeks, technically, for like a wider release. They were releasing it on Google Play for free. If that tells you about their um, how much they're supporting this movie. Yeah, I, I, I'm trying to think of what's. I'm glad they're doing that because it seems like that's what it deserves, and I'd rather it be out there for people to not like, but that people not get ripped up or get ripped off by actually like paying for it. Yeah. So yeah, it's probably definitely one that uh, you could probably skip unless you're really into the Amityville movies. I would say I'm not into the Amityville movies, but I like the idea of the Amityville stuff just as a general thing. So then I get excited, and then I watch it, and I'm always just like, oh, that was fucking horrible. I don't know. Fools me every time. Uh, then the last thing I watched was Amanda was really wanting to watch this movie that I had seen before, and I bought a copy of it. Um, she hadn't seen it yet. So we watched uh, I Am Not a Serial Killer, which is the super awesome movie that has Christopher Lloyd as this old man who may or may not be a serial killer in this town. So, yeah, it's it's a really good movie. <laughs> that was excited. 
Yeah. But in this particular case, Noah's excited, and I like the movie, so we're going yeah. against our own rules. You said serial killer Christopher Lloyd. So Yeah. But it's weirder than that. It is much weirder than that. Doesn't matter. Oh, no, I'm not saying I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm just saying. You're already sold. There's more goodness that you, that you get to experience. Um, so our main character is this kid, Johnny, John, uh, whatever the fuck his name is. Um, so he's like a high school kid who is very much showing signs of sort of early serial killer mentality. So imagine like young Dexter, essentially. Uh, and of course his mom and aunt work at a funeral home so he's constantly there like helping them move bodies around and he's always like his curiosity is always having him examining stuff and everything so of course he's the weird kid at school and then throughout this there's a uh, series of murders going on in town and of course he's super interested in that because he wants to know what's going on and uh, makes him cross paths with weird shit that's going on in the town. So, uh, there's a lot more to it. Christopher Lloyd's like the old man that lives next door. And I think I said it before when I originally watched it, I think this is Christopher Lloyd's best performance. To which some people are like, oh, come on, Doc Brown. And I said, no, no, no. Doc Brown's probably his best character. I'm saying this is probably his best performance. Like, he does an amazing job in this movie. Which I was super happy to see when I watched it the first time. So, no, I would say if you get a chance, definitely run out and watch it. Yeah. Oh, sure. I need it. I need it in my veins. <laughs> Tie me off. Uh, yeah, was it picked up as a Scream Factory release? So, once again, Scream Factory is super duper awesome. So, if you get a chance, uh, check it out. It was on Netflix a long time ago. I don't know if it still is or not, but, you know, worth, uh, worth seeking out if you get a chance to watch well, that's pretty much all I got. Did you guys see the trailer for uh, The Last Jedi? I did. I actively avoided it. I oh. feel like if if that trailer is inferring what it's inferring, that is a spoilery-ass trailer. <laughs> yeah, but I feel like there's got to be some misdirection in it. I don't know. And then a Pacific Rim Uprising trailer... Yeah, I'm less excited about that. Shut your whore mouth. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I haven't watched that one yet. I should watch it. <laughs> so actually, I quite liked Pacific Rim on the level of just look at those big things punching each other. See, I liked Pacific Rim, but I liked Del Toro doing it. Yeah, that's what I think. I feel like Del Toro is is one of those, you know, people think he's making the art for me. In, in which I don't, I don't think that, but I think, man, this dude fucking is on <laughs> such the same brain waves that I am. <laughs> like, oh, for sure. Well, that's like because he makes just these movies that I, I have yet to see one of his movies that I'm not like, man, that's fucking awesome. <laughs> um, yeah, but I just feel like, um. Without Del Toro sort of behind the camera, I'm just a little worried the direction it's going to go. Um, and I don't know why, because I feel like the I mean the original Pacific Rim is just like 
del toro being like i want to see giant robots fight giant monsters fuck yeah and like that's what we got but i just i don't know there's something about this one that i'm just not as excited about it i don't know i think it looks like they may have taken a cue from the biggest critique of the movie which was okay it's a movie about giant robots fighting giant monsters why isn't there more giant robots fighting giant monsters yeah and it looks like they may have corrected that yeah like my assumption is this is going to go into full sequel territory where it's just like big dumb action movie you know and I'm fine with that because it seems fun yeah our uh, our friend Scott from the previous last horror cast um once told me he had not seen Pacific Rim because he had no interest. To which I said, what? He, uh... Because we went and saw, because Del Toro was, you know, in, in the area. So me and him went and saw a screening of Crimson Peak. And then watched him do a and a stuff with it and introduce it and all that stuff. And so I was talking to him about how much I just love Del Toro movies and, you know, brought up Pacific Rim. He's like, oh, yeah, I didn't see it. No interest. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Because he's talking about how much he loves, like, Del Toro. I'm like, are you telling me a movie featuring giant robots fighting giant monsters created by Del Toro is not something you would watch? And he just looked at me. He's like, well, when you put it that way, I mean. And then he watched it and absolutely loved it, of course. I know the only, people, the only part of the first movie that chapped my ass is at the beginning they introduce all the cool Jaegers and you're like, yeah, cool Jaegers. And then like 10 minutes in the movie, they're like, all the Jaegers except for one are destroyed. You're like, wait, what? God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I'll probably definitely see it. I'm just not nearly excited for it as I was the first one. But I don't know if it's like the the uh, the hip hop music in the trailer that turns me off because apparently I'm racist and don't realize it, or if it's I don't know I don't know what it is. It just for something it's something that doesn't feel like it fits in the trailer. And I don't I don't know. Is it is it young uh, young actor guy trying to be Idris Elba? No, I don't think so. But I don't know. He didn't I, say he didn't say they were canceling the apocalypse, which I was yeah. kind of sad. But I was going to say because that that was the thing that chapped my ass about the whole trailer. Him giving a speech because those types of resonant speeches and trailers like that only work if you already have an attachment to the voice that's doing it. Yeah, you you know what I mean. Like mm-hmm. it doesn't. You can't just have some random guy do that kind of speech and then be like, oh, okay, that was a good speech. You know. <laughs> it's it's supposed to give you a, a rock hard man boner. That's that's what's supposed to happen. <laughs> yeah, I do like John Boyega, but I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if he's quite up to dramatic speech territory yet. I don't know. We'll just have to wait and see how it goes. But I'm pretty sure robots are going to fight monsters. <laughs> this cool. one, it looks like there's also robots fighting robots, which has me curious. I'm very excited about that because I'm hoping that means we're going to get uh, Guillermo del Toro making RoboJocks the remake. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. (laughs) Which that would, my, I would die 
like you guys would, I would have an aneurysm and somebody would have to wheel me into that theater because I would no longer be capable of thought. (laughs) (laughs) Or we just tell you we took you to the theater. Yeah, trust us, you liked liked it. It was fine. (laughs) Night, our bright, bright lights. I I would love to see a Robot Jocks remake. I think that'd be great. I think we're in the right political climate for it, too, where it's like, maybe we should stop blowing each other up and just have giant robots fight each other instead. That seems like something we need in the world right now. You know what the bad news about this conversation is? Now, after we get done, i got to go home and get to watch Robot Shots again. (laughs) (laughs) Don't watch them yet. It is on our list to do at some point. Yeah, but that just means i get to watch it twice. (laughs) Oh, fair enough. I'm still waiting for the bad news part. You said you were going to tell us the bad news, but... Oh, oh it's just unhealthy. Like, I need to sleep and stuff. Like I said, I stayed Star up all what? night watching Star Trek Voyager. <laughs> I don't have anything going on during the day. Why did I stay up at night? <laughs> what, what purpose does that serve? It's more fun to watch stuff at night. That's true. I did watch it... During the day. Sorry, I did watch... Ahead. I watched Dagon, and then I watched eight episodes of Star Trek <laughs> Oh, oh, then it makes sense. Here's a brief glimpse of some of the truly fine pictures we've scheduled in the near future. Does anybody uh, want to take what we're doing next episode? Did we ever decide? Uh, everybody just said, yeah, cool. So I guess we're doing three on a meat hook and deranged. All right. Which, uh, this is sort of a Doug pick. This is like half a Doug pick. Yeah. They're both movies based on Ed Gain to some extent, right? Yes. Gain, however you pronounce it. So, um, and I, I, I suggested this topic because like 10 years ago I was at a convention and someone convinced me to buy a three enemy hook. And I feel that after 10 years I should probably watch that. So. <laughs> I have a little pile of DVDs that I've owned that I've never watched. I'm just like, yeah, got to get to that one day. So I got some of those too. And then we are sitting on a request, so probably the week after that, we'll probably do that. Oh yeah, I forgot. I forgot that we were uh, we had a request. So request is coming. Uh, I promise. I forgot we had a listener. So <laughs> coincidentally, the request is right under three on a meat hook. So we're kind of going in order and then we're going to hit the requests oh. after. Yeah. So, so yeah, we, get a, we get to watch one awesome Australian movie and one movie that looks like it could be really shitty. <laughs> you know, we could always call an old audible. So, I mean, no. <laughs> all right. Noah's worried you're going to take away a shitty movie. <laughs> don't take, don't, you, don't, don't, don't you take this away from me. <laughs> Please remember to replace the speaker on the post when you leave the theater. And now, folks, it's time to say goodnight. We sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night. Good night.